0: It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the Word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the Word. A few weeks ago, I committed to share something very important concerning our walk of faith. As you have noticed, there are things that the Lord sent me to do, partly my assignment on the earth. were instructions that I received and one of which was to teach men how to believe, was to teach faith. So you can say, yeah, every preacher is called to teach faith or yeah, but there are also degrees in how we are assigned by God and how we are instructed by God to carry out those mandates that are given to us individually. So yes, In part of the responsibility that the Lord has given me, and you will see as you walk with us over the years, some of you who have walked with us over the years, one of the things that I usually want to emphasize most is the way and walk of faith. It's a very important thing to learn to believe God. We have preachers in the world who cannot dare to speak some of the things we are speaking in the pulpit because they fear to lose their reputation. They fear to go out of the predictable norm, you know, because they are comfortable in unbelief if they can minister to the senses, to the reasonings of men and satisfy them with debate and rhetoric. But God has not called the church to mere talk, praise God. God has called us to power. Somebody shout hallelujah and virtue, praise God. So you'll see, and recently I've been emphasizing a lot on the walk of faith. And it's because it's one of the major assignments that I have with God. Not only, but one of the major assignments that I have with God. And I remember mentioning that some people use faith as you would use, for example, a phone, you know, When you're going to bathe, you have to leave it in the living room. When you're going to sleep, you put it away. And then when you wake up, you use it. When you call somebody, when you're done calling, you keep it somewhere, stuck it somewhere. The choir was singing tonight. I know everyone has a mobile phone. But during service, you had to put it away in your bag or switch it off, put it in flight mode because you were serving. On the altar, and then after that, later on after service, you're going to go check out how many messages have been sent to you, who, why. And that's how people live. Faith is not supposed to be lived that way. It's not supposed to be the thing we apply when it is needed. That's not the life of faith. Faith was never meant to be that way. The challenge with living that way is that one day, you could put it away like you put your mobile phone away to do exercise, and something could attack and kill you. Something can come and take you. The devil can put a damage, you don't even need to die, but he can put a damage on your life that you will need years, months, or weeks, or hours to fix, and some you might carry for the rest of your life. Because faith is not supposed to be like an accessory that you use, and when you're done with the using, you keep it to the time when its necessity is given. No, faith is supposed to be a life that we live. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. but how we live it, what that means also is important. I'm going to share something so deep tonight in a very, very simple language, but so deep. And I pray by God that you'll understand it because if you do, it's going to change the rest of your life. It's going to change the rest of your life and how you see faith. It's very powerful. And I emphasize this because it's easy to lose God in his simplicity. So I'm going to share something so simple, but it's going to be so deep that it's going to change your life for good. Of course, we have all read the Hebrews 11. We call it the faith chapter. By faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. Beautiful scriptures. And I want to help us get in Hebrews 11 and give you a very interesting pattern. I've mentioned this before, but I want to get from what I have mentioned a couple of years before and build something so beautiful from there. When you look at Hebrews, Hebrews 11, the faith chapter, you will see that there are three dimensions through which the people spoken of in Hebrews 11 function. There three dimensions that are seen with faith. There so the three lenses through which we can see faith operating in the lives of individuals. If we will go to Hebrews 11, and then we read through the beginning to about the 13th verse, he speaks of the first group of dimension in definition here. And he says, These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, and they were persuaded of them, and embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers. And pilgrims on the earth. They saw what could happen through faith. They saw the promises. And they received the revelation of what these promises would do. But the Bible says they did not receive the very promise. Why? Because even though they were persuaded of them and they embraced them. These people confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims of the earth. And so they say, even though we know that we can live this, you know, kind of life, we are pilgrims on the earth. We are strangers. We're just passing through. We will not have time to embrace all that God has promised through faith. Through faith. Are you following? And if you continue down in the verses, the Bible says, for they that say such things declare plainly that they seek a country. But you see, it's in the power of their confession. You see, when the great Martin Luther, wonderful man, spoke, he said, I see a day, I have a dream, he said, where one day white boys and white girls will walk together on the street as they are not judged by their color of skin by by the content of their character. He believed in not only the unification of that nation, but that one day racism, segregation would cease. See, he said he had a dream. And then in one of his speeches, I've been to the mountaintop. Luther says that I've seen what's coming. But he says, but I will not go there with you. That's a statement. I will not go there with you. He saw promises. He saw what God was going to do one day. You see? But he says, I will or oh, I may not go there with you. That's a confession. He said it with his mouth. Perhaps he had a vision that was going to be killed. But to accept it or not was his choice. I'm not judging the dear man. No. He had his course and his journey. and perhaps. He saw what he wanted. and Maybe he was satisfied. And they said, no, I'm a pilgrim from the earth. I'm a stranger. I'm going through. And he says, for such people who say such things, the Bible says, seek a country. And truly, if they had been mindful of that country from whence they came out, they might have had an opportunity to return. But now they desire a better country. That is a heavenly one. Wherefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared them a city. You see, there's a place for a man who says, I might not see this because I want to go to heaven. You know, Paul struggled with it too. He says, sometimes I'm torn betwixt. As of to be in the flesh for your circle to go and be with the Lord, which is far better, he said. But the next verse says, he had to confess it and he says, nevertheless, I choose to abide in the flesh because it is more needful for you. Listen, when a man makes such a bold statement, when Paul makes such a bold statement, do you know what it sounds like in the ears of a religious person that a man said, I am the one who chooses whether I go to heaven or stay? No, what about coronavirus? What about age? What about this? What about that? But you can't even die tomorrow. You know, the will of God can be... No, 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 no. The man said, no, it's my choice. I am choosing to stay in the flesh Paul, are you God? Do you have power over your life? They would ask him. Do you have power over your life? Because like I said, the thing I'm saying is so deep and so, 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 so high to be understood by a man who doesn't understand what it means to live by faith, to walk the life of faith. Let's walk together. Let's go slowly, but you'll understand this. How can a man boldly say that I choose whether I'm alive or go to heaven? What if Paul had said, I want to go to heaven now? Do you know what would happen? He would sit in his chair and to leave. Because he understood it was a choice to leave. Jesus, the Bible says, his life was not taken, he gave it. They could not take it. How can God say, I will satisfy you with long life? Do you know the meaning of satisfaction in your life? It means it's you to wake up and say, I'm satisfied. Because that satisfaction is not in his jurisdiction. It's in the desire of your heart because he gave you will and an intellect. You wake up one day and say, I think I'm done. Then you go to heaven. He says, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. It's the way of God to reveal his salvation by satisfying the man with long life. But you see, in there is the will for the man to say, now I am satisfied. Now I am satisfied. Somebody shout hallelujah, glory to God. It's a hard conversation to say because people just wake up and they say, oh, you know, you can die any day. You know, I hear preachers say, me, you can just die any day. Me, I cannot just die any day. Trust me, I cannot just die any day. No, I have to get to a point where I know I'm full of life. I'm satisfied of it. And it's based on my satisfaction. When I feel I'm satisfied, I'll go to heaven. It's my choice. You understand? Now, you couldn't get people like Paul and raise them from the dead because they would not die without choice. Somebody shout hallelujah. They they would not die without choice. They are beyond that. Do you understand what I'm saying? But anyway, let's go a bit deeper. So, you see, they desired a country. But you see, after that portion of scripture, God gives us another realm, another dimension of seeing things. And then he brings an example of Abraham. And he says, by faith, verses 17, Abraham when he was tried, the Bible says he offered up Isaac and he that had received the promises offered up his only begotten son. Now, we have another class of people who received the promises. We have another class of people who received the promises and he said, and he that had received the promises. He's giving an example of a man who was ready to embrace the promises. And he says, he that had received the promises. It's important for you to understand that. He that had received the promises. Because there are people who say, see, I know I can do this, I know I can do that, but I want to go to heaven. That's your choice. They did not receive the promises, but they died in faith. So it's possible to die in faith. It's possible for somebody to believe and die you watch everybody who gets to the verge of death, there's a point where they say, let me go. All of them, if you check them. Unless they're ignorant and they think no, it's just my time because I'm sick this way. But there's a place where a man has to give the ghost. Do you know, scientifically, you cannot kill yourself by tying your breath. Scientifically, it's not possible for you to say, (gasps) Until you die. Is that. In that command in your spirit. That will. <gasps> because God has called you to leave. He created you. Naturally. To breathe in and out. Do you know. Until the fall. Of Adam and Eve. It was never in the plan. Of God. For man to die. So that means. With the very kidneys. The very liver the very heart, the very teeth, the very lungs, those very things that were in the first Adam, which are also in you, could have lived forever. Woo! We're going slowly. Here, follow me. Now, he gave us an example of a man who received the promises. The Bible says he gave up his begotten son. And let me show you the example of the man who received the promises. Next verse says of whom it was said that in Isaac thy seed shall be called. So he knows that in this man, my seed shall be called. But anyway, if God has asked him for an offering, he would gladly give out that fellow to God. Next verse, he says, accounting, this is the man who had received the promise, that God was able to raise him up, even from the dead from whence also he received him in a figure. This is the mind in Abraham. If you have asked for him, I'm going to sacrifice him because I know you can bring him back. That's a man who knows God. Oh, I know you will bring him back because you cannot tell me that in him shall my seed be called. Yet you've asked him for a sacrifice if you're not able to raise him. When Abraham is going to stab this boy, he knows very well. He's just obeying a command. This boy is going to bleed out, die, become cold. Then God will raise him. If he was not sure, he would not have killed that boy easily. That's what is counted of him. For righteousness through faith. Never forget that. As a man who has understood the promise. As a man who has received the promises. And then in that he continues to speak of people. Which had received promises upon promise upon promise. And allow me to skip to verse 32. And he says. And what more shall I say? Now he's talking about people who have received the promises. He says, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson and of Jephthah, of David also, Samuel and the prophets. And he says, who through faith subdued kingdoms, rout, righteousness, obtained what? promises stopped the mouths of lions and then he continues quenched the violence of fire escaped the edge of sword out of weakness were made strong walked valiant in fight turned to flight the armies of valiants, and women received their dead now those people received the promises so there's one which did not receive the promises but they had faith but their faith was to die and go to heaven for a better country. Yeah, we all dream of heaven. We all will go someday, but not yet. And I'll tell you why. So, you have done the second class that received promises. And when they received those promises, they ran with them. They raised the dead. They walked valiant in battle. In their weakness, the Bible says, they were made strong that a man was sick and he would turn it and be healed. The Bible says they escaped the edge of the sword so that means you can't just be driving and they say, well, they shot her. That They shot him and he died. No, they escaped the edge of the sword. They quenched the violence of fire. They knew how by the promises of God to win in this work of faith. Somebody shout hallelujah. And then he brings a third group. But in bringing that third group, he emphasizes in verses 39. And the Bible says, and all of these... Having obtained a good report through faith, the Bible says, received not the promise. Received not the promise. Walk with me. They received not the promise. They received not the promise. So God is saying there was another higher dimension. There is that which did not receive the promises, plural, and they died in faith. And then there's that which received the promises, but did not receive the promise. Listen to the next line. Uh-huh. Verses 40. God having provided some better thing for us that they, without us, should not be made perfect. Breathe that in for a second the Bible says, if you read it in the amplified version, because God had us in mind, I love that it says that God had you in mind. As Joshua was stopping the sun, he had you in mind. And he says, something better is coming. Oh, something better. Is coming. He says he had something better and a greater view of us, a greater vision of us, a greater lens, a greater dimension for us that they, these heroes and heroines of faith, should not will, not might, not could. He says should. That means there's an indelible command that they should not come to perfection apart from us before the Bible says we could join them. That means the man who stopped the sun feels imperfect because he's waiting for. For you, hey Kusha, the man who made axes float, the man who raised the dead, the Elijahs—they are all looking and they're saying, "But you see, we are imperfect." Why? Because God had a better view, a better vision of a certain generation. Now that is the generation that both obtains the promises. And receives the promise. So he's saying. Well, well, well. If God says that. I will heal. A man even in the Old Testament. Could hold on that promise. And get any miracle. By the way. Do you know the life of Jesus. Is a print. In the setting of the Old Testament. There was no regeneration yet. But even his disciples had power to cast out devils. Provisional. exorcia. They had authority to cast out devils. To cast out devils. And he says things can bite you but they shall by no means harm you. He's talking to men who are not born again. Please remember this. He's talking to men who are not born again. These men were not born again yet. But it's telling them, none of those things shall by any means. They are functioning by the word of his mouth. His authority is enough to safeguard the realm of their function as ministers. as provisional. It's like you, a New Testament believer, getting a person who does not believe in God and then you tell them, go lay hands on your daughter and they will heal. It's not them that have healed. It's the power of your mouth. You will. Know? authority of your words that has been sent for the healing of that individual. That does not mean that they do the miracle. But we are still dealing with believers who have not yet understood who they are. And there are people in the world who are not born again, but know how to provoke God to work. They know how to. I know a story of a very, very great man of God. One day, a woman comes to him. They knew him for having an anointing to heal, to raise the dead. A Muslim woman had heard that this guy raises the dead. A Muslim woman, Muslim. And so her husband died. And when he died, they had had a misunderstanding and he did not leave her property. This Muslim woman goes to the man of God and tells him, my husband has died. I want you to raise him up from the dead such that we can have a conversation on what he was supposed to leave for me. The man of God said, let's go where he is. And he prayed for the Muslim fellow and he was raised from the dead. And the woman stated her case that you are alive because I brought you to a man of God. And he prayed for you you could have died now i've given you another chance to live she's a muslim she's not born again but she's telling him i've given you another chance to live give me what you know is mine the man signed documents in a few days he died he died this woman was muslim but she knew that the god of a certain man works and then you're still dealing with believers who are worried because they say they had COVID? They had flu? You deal with a believer who just gets paid in one part and they say, I think I'm going to die. They diagnose themselves. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. It was enough for a man to live a glorious life with the promises. He says we've been given exceedingly great Promises and by this we are partakers of that divine nature. That when we get this promise as plural, the Bible says we are partakers of the divine nature. But God has said more than that dispensation, we have received the promise. Hallelujah. Somebody shout hallelujah. hallelujah. And what is the promise? The person of the Holy Spirit. That all these men you're reading about did not have the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. Oh, they did not have the indwelling person of the Holy Spirit. He just used to come upon them. It's like when you read in the story of Saul, right? When he says that the Spirit of the Lord shall come upon you and you shall be turned into another man. And then he says, on whatever occasion serves thee, do. Do. He says, whatever occasion comes to you, you do it he says why, for God is with thee, he got a man who had not had the spirit indwelling like us, but the spirit coming upon him, he says, you shall prophesy, he's not a prophet, but he prophesies, he prophesies, and the Bible says, and when these signs come upon you, he says, do as occasion serves you, in that realm, make the choice to do or demonstrate it the way you want it because God is with you. There's a place. You see, the Bible says, he that speaketh the words of God. The Bible says, to him is given an anointing without measure. Without measure. Without measure. He's not given the Spirit by measure. He's given the Spirit without measure. That means you're not limited in how you want to function. You're not limited in how you want to function when you are in a certain place of the liberty of the spirit. You see, Samuel, writing about Saul, Saul, this Saul man we're talking about, was not originally a prophet. He was just somebody on whom the spirit of the Lord settled on and it gave him the articulation of a prophet. And on top of that, gave him a liberty to do as occasion served him. But when that moment was done, he went back to the normal man that he was. Now, you are living in a time where the Spirit does not come upon you. He's indwelling. I said this is hard. Many people think they understand it, but they don't. You're living in a time where the person of the Holy Spirit is an indwelling life. He's a force. He's in there. He says, grieve not the Spirit of God by whom or with whom you were sealed unto the day of redemption. You and the Holy Spirit are sealed together. He doesn't depart from you and then come back like in Psalms, oh, take not your Holy Spirit from me. That is a covenant where we the Spirit would depart because he wore man upon men like a cloak. Our dispensation, our time is not the time where the Spirit of the Lord departs. I have had teachers teach it, but there is nothing in the New Testament in the New Testament that can say or justify that the Holy Spirit can live the new creation. Because it says we were sealed with him until the day of redemption. We were sealed with him. Give me the amplified of that. He says, grieve not or do not offend or vex or sadden him by whom you were sealed. Listen, marked, branded as God's own, secured for the day of redemption, final deliverance through Christ. From evil and what? And the consequences of what? Of sin. You were marked with the Holy Spirit. You were branded with the Holy Spirit. And that's a sign that you belong to God. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. A woman can forget her own child, but he says, I'll never leave you. We are living in a time where people are still teaching believers that the Holy Spirit can depart from you. They confuse the place of the Holy Spirit reducing his activity on you as one who has departed from you. No, the Holy Spirit can be grieved to a place where he's not allowed to operate for you or with you. But that doesn't mean that he has departed from you. He is in there. He never leaves. He's sealed with you. You are joined with him. You are one with him. You see? He said in Isaiah, I'll put my spirit in you. Are we together? Now, if a man just had an occasion and could do as he wills. Because God was with him at that hour. The New Testament believer. Cannot. Have a place. Where occasion cannot serve them. If they understand. That the person of the Holy Spirit is indwelling, And they know. How to relate with him. Who is understanding what I'm saying? Now let's go back. All of these, having obtained the promises, received not the promise. God has some better. He had us in mind. What was better? In 2 Timothy, the first chapter, he said, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor me his prisoner, but be thou partakers of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of god who has listen saved us and called us you see the afflictions are according to the power of god not the weakness all right according the bible says who has saved us and called us with a holy calling not according to our works but according to his own purpose and grace which was given us in christ jesus before the world began But now the Bible says, I wanted to emphasize this, is made manifest by the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ. So the appearance, the coming of Christ in the flesh is a manifestation of a promise that God had made to us. And that promise, in spite of all the other promises, had not been fulfilled. Until this man comes, who, when he does whatever he's supposed to do on the earth, he says, it's good that I go. If I don't go, the spirit will not come. He is the one that leaves us the spirit after his work. Are you hearing me? The Bible says, is now made manifest by the appearing of the Savior Jesus Christ, who, listen, has abolished death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. That means that the gospel is a revelation of life and immortality. That's so deep. That's so deep. I'm not talking about immortal. I'm not just talking about your physical bodies. Anything and everything. The gospel is the revelation of life and immortality it's through the gospel that we can say that my marriage will leave it's by the gospel that you can say that i will not die of cancer it's by the gospel that you have the audacity to say that my business will not fail i will not die a beggar i will quit this job one day and i'm going to be bigger than this company because through this revelation of christ the bible says he has abolished any manner of death and brought life and immortality to light he has shed it like a torch and is saying look it was hidden all these years that it is possible to live forever it was hidden from men all this life these years that it is possible to wake up and say i'm not going to now this is a dangerous statement to wake up and say i'm not going to die yes. <laughs> you're hundred years and you say me i'm still not ready 200, I'm still not ready. Three. oh, Methuselah lived with the same body. What are you talking about? Oh, some person, but you see, the days of a man are 70 by reason of strength more. That was not the oracle of God. That was Moses. That was Moses speaking. And he's right to say it because he had not received the promise. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, scientists today, the world now has advanced in a program called transhumanism. We want to go beyond the way man was created. And they're doing drugs and making equipment and inventing technologies to live forever because they've realized that with their monies it's not just enough for them to live 100 years, 80 years, 70 years. Every day they're discovering the genes that are making men grow old, so now there's a gene. There's something in there in a human body that is responsible for making a man grow old. They've discovered that actually you can manipulate this thing and keep a man younger. And they're doing that through a different light, actually darkness. Are you hearing me? Do you know that the mortality rates in the world have grown and improved just by science? Immunizations, what? The things that used to kill kids long ago, they're immunizing them you know how many people could have died of COVID, but now they've, you know, they've been vaccinated and, you know, it's gone through. You understand what I'm saying? And yet this is just human beings working. Are you hearing me? They're making 3D printers that in future are going to be printing body parts. Your heart is out, they print a new one. Your kidney is down, they print a new one. You don't need to cut another person for a kidney. Actually, recently I saw a little small... gadget like this they've made that is going to work as a kidney. The days of kidney transplant have come to an end. No, people will just be plugging something in there in their stomach, they operate you, they put it there. One machine, small little thing like this, and then it starts doing everything the kidney is supposed to be doing. And they're not... Do you understand what I'm saying? Now, the man has said that through the gospel, through the gospel, life and immortality have been brought to light that means your business doesn't have to die your ministry doesn't have to die your marriage doesn't have to die and you don't have to die until you're tired oh somebody shout hallelujah so he says if you understand this immortality is brought to you somebody say yeah but you see immortality in the sense of eternal life like to live in eternity forever, this is eternal life, not your definition, this is eternal life, that they might know thee the only true God and Jesus whom he has sent, you know what that means, it means many people have a very misconstrued interpretation about eternity, eternal life is knowing God and Christ Jesus whom he has sent, understanding why he has sent him, Oh, let me translate it well for you, knowing the God Who sent the man that brought to light life and immortality? That's eternal life. Who has understood what I just said? We're entering days as the scientists are inventing how man will live longer. We're going to show them by the Bible how to live long. Because as sin increases, grace should... Who has understood what I said? As they think they have an idea. Because how will we be able to preach in that dispensation? Unless we can also show them that there is another way to do it without an operation and a surgeon's knife, somebody sound hallelujah because with us it is proved. At least we have facts, we have truth here, we have living proof through scripture that men lived with the same kidneys for 900 years after the fall. After the fall. Are you hearing me? Tell your neighbor, refuse to die young. I know I am preaching something that many people are seeing from afar, but they feel they're pilgrims. There are people right now, as they're listening to me, they're in the first class. are first class They in the first group I spoke about, they cannot receive this, it is so much. Maybe I'll die. You understand, they've received it, they've received their death early. They've allowed, listen, we will die when we're done serving. When you know you're done, whether you're 70, whether you're 100, whether you're 400, whether you're 60, go home. Somebody shout hallelujah. But I refuse that something will come into your body. A virus walking in there and hung you before you are done in the mighty name of Jesus somebody shout amen shout glory to god we even have another way enoch elijah after the fall it's even possible for you after service while everyone is watching (laughs) glory to god i mean i want to understand if it was a movie you know a director says we've created a movie all right those of you watch DC or Marvel and then they do something very interesting and then the man says but we have some better and then if you've watched Captain America we have some better if you've watched so we have some better if you've watched Superman we have something we have a better sequel that is coming out somebody shout hallelujah God is preparing a church Oh, God is preparing a church. Now that these things are coming out, and some of you watching me can actually agree with me. Now that we have a generation that is ready to believe God. Thank God for the justification through faith. He said the just shall live by faith. But if any man draw back, he says, I shall not have pleasure in him. He got it from Habakkuk. But it did not work in that day. And then it worked for a man in Hebrews. Yet it was available. That scripture is first written in habakkuk The just shall live by faith. But it was not revealed. It was ambiguous. It was not clear. And so the prophet spoke as he saw it. And the Bible says, but they were also searching out. What manner of time. What was it signifying? The Bible says they searched diligently what this was and the coming of Christ and the glory that should follow after. So they were prophesying, but they did not even have a clue of what they were prophesying. Now you and I understand it. You and I have the clue. Somebody shout hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now I understand that when the man says the just shall live by faith, when Habakkuk says it, it was not for them to understand. That is why Habakkuk cannot be fulfilled. Without your testimony. Because you are the man in Hebrews now. Paul sees that same thing. Pulls it back like this. And he says. "Mm -mm, The just shall live through faith. You see when he's preaching about the grace in Romans. The just shall live through faith. You see he has understood it. That when you understand the justification. The justification. That you have in Christ. You'll understand. That the faith that has been given you comes with the light of life and immortality. You have the choice to lose or not. That is why I tell people, you see, what some of us when we make some statements, some people don't understand it. We make certain statements and some people don't understand it. Now that you're here, let me say it to you, that's why I tell some people that no man can bring me down no man can bring me down. It's not possible. I don't care what they have. No man can bring me down. I know my race. I know my cause. I understand the gospel. Nothing is going to slow me. Nothing. It does not exist. It doesn't. Because I have gotten the light of life and immortality. I know how to give it life if you kill it. I know how to revive it if you try to destroy it. I know how to keep it. I know how to keep it. I know how. You see, the word of God. That's why you should not be intimidated by any circumstance. Don't be intimidated by any circumstance. Because the man that we have believed brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. If you are a believer in the word of God, if you are a sole believer in the word of God, and you did not come in the gospel to play, you're not just treading in territories unknown and indifferent to the ways of God. You're not just cramming phrases in the mind, but you have taken time to meditate things in your spirit. You will know that you know, that you know that it shall be increased concerning his government. Isaiah saw it and says, "Ha." Ah. This man's government, he said it shall be increased and the peace of it, the Bible says there is no end. He says there is no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it. And he says, and this the zeal of the Lord shall perform it. There is a zeal that comes to fulfill for the man or woman who has understood how God works. That's why I tell people. So when I tell you, oh, you know, some of us, even when we're long gone, our ministries and sermons will be played until the return of Christ. Where does he get that boldness from? How does he know? Listen, when he's opening Hebrews 11 verses 4, let me help some of us because there are things we are not able to tell you now because not many of you are able to understand. He says, by faith, listen, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous God testifying of his gifts and comma and he says and by it he being dead yet speaketh now if Abel knows or found the way to speak even in his death what makes you think I have not figured out a way to preserve the message of God on my lips until the return of Christ the secret is in the excellence of the sacrifice I know the sacrifice I know what sacrifice is required for a man to be a minister to speak until the return of Christ that is where I come from so I might not explain to you that I'm actually in Hebrews 11 4, but I will tell a man that until the return of Christ my message shall be preached his question should be what is the excellent sacrifice we are not here by mistake no some of us have gone beyond that we're no longer preaching, hoping that people will understand. We know they will understand. We're not believing God anymore for growth. We know we must grow because we're not building our own kingdom. The government he's running is not ours. Are you hearing me? Somebody shout hallelujah. <laughs> they might not understand us now, some. But I tell you, whether it's five years or 20, that people watching me right now, you needed COVID to listen to me. Oh, they used to hear yeah, oh you saying Naslink. I said, guys, some people even say, Oh, I never understood you. There's even one who said, You know, in COVID, you've become clearer. No, I have not become clearer. No, I was always clear. You were the one who had works. But COVID cleared out your works because you isolated a bit. Somebody shout, Hallelujah. Whether they understand it now or they don't, eventually they will understand you. Somebody shout, Hallelujah! Why? because we have understood the life in him was life and the life was the light of men the life was the light of men that life was the light of men and that light shines in darkness and darkness comprehended him not darkness could not hold back the man whose light is within the life of God the son of man God has come that we might have life that we might have life somebody shout hallelujah he says the thief cometh but to steal kill and destroy he's repeated it but i am come that you might have life and have it more abundantly the amplified says until it overflows does that look like a person who is still believing in god for rent come on tell me he says until it overflows does that look like a person who is still believing God for a billion dollars no does that sound like the overflow of the life of God does that sound like somebody who has carried hypertension for 20 years no he says, abundant and in full until it overflows of his fullness. The Bible says we have received of his fullness. He says now that I have it all I give it all to you. This is love made perfect that we might have confidence on the day of crisis for as he is so are we in this world. God having something better that they would not be perfected without us. I can literally hear heaven clapping. They're screaming. I literally hear Elijah, Paul, they're all there, Jeremiah, Hezekiah, they're screaming and clapping and saying, yeah! you see some of us the things we are preaching because it's very far from many people some of them will wake up later way 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 later way later to understand it was in a black skin was a small guy you understand and God was speaking somebody shout hallelujah God was speaking to the world we are entering a time and I tell you it's not far from now where the exploits that are going to come from the church are going to look bigger way bigger and what you have read even in Scripture. Oh, Apostle, those days are gone. I know why you're saying that. I know you have thrown that. You don't even receive the promises. The person saying that has not even received the promises. So I cannot judge you because I'm hearing the music and I'm dancing to it. No, you cannot judge me because I'm dancing to what I'm hearing and neither do I judge you because I understand. You can't dance unless you're hearing the same music. It is said that those that were not dancing, when they saw those dancing, they scorned at them because they did not hear the music. That's where the gospel is going to become foolishness. It's not foolishness when you can heal a flu. It is foolishness when you do something against science. When you do something against biology, when you do something against mathematics, this man is working with 5,000 people and they're all without food, but he's not worried at all. And then he first gives his disciples the opportunity. He asks them, have you fed these people? Do they have food? He's saying, no, 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 I could do it, but let me first give you an opportunity. Are you able to do this? Okay. What do you have? fish and loaves of bread. The man just got them and gave thanks. And the Bible says, and they all ate. And they were full. They even collected more. And that same man looks at you the next Sunday and he says, hmm, greater works, greater works shall you do. Because I go to the Father. Because I go to the Father. Greater works shall you do. Greater works shall you do kind of work shall you do? We're going to enter those days where people just get sitting and tell somebody check under your chair and food just starts appearing. I know why some of you are looking at me with these religious eyes. I know why. Are you hearing me? Because you're not putting on the right lens. This is someone you need to repeat over and over and over and over until you understand it. But I tell you, if you understand it, it will change your life. From the time... I saw these things. I prayed differently. I confessed differently. Because it was important for them to confess that they were pilgrims. It's also important for us to confess that we must do these things. So when you hear us proclaiming, we're not just speaking to please people who are watching. No. A man is justified by their mouth. And with the very mouth they are condemned. Somebody shout hallelujah. Glory to, God. Glory to 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 God. Raise your voice and start speaking in our tongues. Come on. Get it. Receive it in your spirit.
1: You were great. You were great. You are great, you are great, you are great, you are great, come on, come on, pray.
0: You are great baraka You are great baraka
1: shata baraka You are great Lord you are. You are great You are great Everything written about you Tell me quiet Tell him you god we serve serve. glory glory hallelujah come on everything written about you we spread tell them demons tremble at your presence What a mighty God we serve. Mighty God. Glory, glory, hallelujah. glory, glory, hallelujah. Everything we tell about you is great. Tell him you. everything written about you. Sing it one more time. Tell him you
0: I thank God because his word has entered us. It is working in our spirits. It is revealing and redeeming. I feel God is shifting somebody tonight forever. I feel a man's destiny, a person's destiny, a woman's ministry has been defined tonight. Because of the indwelling power of the Holy Spirit, faith is not gonna be just an application gonna go deep into the life that is ever present to work for you because now you are a child of the word. You are born of the word. May your ministry change tonight. May your marriage change tonight. May your visions change tonight. May your career change tonight. May your dreams be changed tonight. That you'll not see things and men who are fallen only passing, but that you'll see things as men who truly understand their source, which is eternal? Father, I thank you. I thank you. I thank you. Miracles are happening now. If you have any sickness or sick among you, mention their name or touch where it's paining. Right now, healing is coming through. Kidney, liver, heart diseases, diabetes, gout. God is healing you now in the mighty name of Jesus. Father, we thank you. We thank you. If you have never given your life to Christ, the promise is available. It's through the acceptation. It's through the receiving of Christ in your heart. You just need to repeat these words after me. Say, Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus. And tonight, I receive Jesus as my Lord and Savior who shed his blood for my sins and was raised for my glory and born again. The message you have just heard was brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number 41 466 or email us at at gmail.com. You can also find us on the web at www.funero.org. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at Uma Multipurpose Hall from 5pm to 8 p.m. You can also catch the live stream at livestream.com slash fenero. Fenero Make Manifest.